Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is Erkan Munishi, and he is joining me as one of the leading architects, we'll call him, behind the scenes of the digital nomad visas that all of these countries are building, competing for digital nomads to come and call their country home. They have to be built by somebody. Somebody's doing all the research and advocating for the way that they should be structured. And Erkan is one of the key people in that conversation for multiple countries. So we talk a little bit about how those visas come to be and what the countries are looking for as they're building them, but then also most importantly for you, what you need to know if you're interested in obtaining one of these, particularly in Albania, Greece, and Dubai. We touch on those three specifically. But we also tie this into his history, his background as a refugee from war-torn Kosovo, and how that transitioned him into a world of living in the US and then eventually becoming a digital nomad. And now he is the founder of the Digital Nomad Expo and the Digital Nomad Association in the US. So he has become a key figure figure in this conversation. He's a very busy guy. I was super appreciative of him sharing the time with us today and all of his insights from behind the curtain of the infrastructure of all this digital nomad conversation that's happening. So thank you to Erkan for joining us. I think you all will enjoy this one. Please help me in welcoming Erkan to About Abroad. Man, I can't believe you uh, stayed up so late to do this call. I feel uh, I feel extremely honored, to be honest. It's, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You know, who wouldn't stay for for Chase? Come on. <laughs> oh man, that is really really kind of you, and I'm really looking forward to this one. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. There's so many things we can touch on, and I think it's funny. Like you know, when I was doing a little bit of background research on your story and and all, and looking at all the things you're putting out there, I'm thinking like, how does this guy do it all? because you're obviously got your hands in a lot of different things. And now I know because it's what, like midnight there where you are and one o'clock in the morning. What, what's, what time is it? It's, it's exactly it's 12, 17 a.m. here. So it's, it's another regular night for me, honestly. Like usually it's the time when I have my Europe meetings. So gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, you know, I was thinking actually, it's kind of funny, like where you're you're there in the US. I'm an, I'm an American living over here in Europe and the show is called About Abroad. And so someone might be like, what are two Americans doing talking to each other on an episode about about abroad but i think there's there's so much depth to your to your background a lot of things i have like i actually have no idea i mean i've been following your work for for some time now but i i don't know a lot about your history except that you're you know you're originally from another place and i think that probably ties in pretty pretty it's probably pretty connected to the work that you're doing day to day in the digital nomad world and the remote work world and such. So I wondered if you could uh, just shed a little bit of background light on that for us. Like, tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you are now and kind of how that all, you know, weaves together. Absolutely. So, well, basically, I mean, it, it really is, is uh, something that relates to the current situation, unfortunately, because um, I'm originally from Kosovo, which now you can say post-war country, but, you know, it went through a very rough war in 1990s. And that's why I totally relate and I feel very sad about especially the kids that are, you know, 
growing up at this time there and all that struggle actually it makes you stronger but unfortunately it's one of those things that you'd rather not go through you know and uh, so basically i'm from kosovo originally and went the whole through the whole process of being a refugee and that's why that process has has built uh, my personality in in many ways professionally and personally. And then I moved to the United States by going through the whole process of being a refugee and, and all the struggle. I realized, I mean, today, actually, I was just listening to a podcast about history and was, was doing a definition of how people see freedom. And, uh, you know, throughout the centuries, freedom was defined differently. And uh, looking at it right now, to me, freedom is the most important part of, of my life. And that really connects deeply uh, with the digital nomad uh, lifestyle and remote work and that's where i all got started you know from the freedom concept into being free of your you know wherever you want to be and work was as one and then secondly uh, it was it, it's always been the concept of being able to help the others go remote as well because i'm going through that struggle you're the only one who feels that so basically that's that's where uh, that's where my background connects into into the digital nomad and remote work it's interesting isn't it like a lot of us look at being able to travel expat life digital nomadism all these things exploring the world and such is like such a you know we, we think about it as such an exciting privilege and I, I think most of us are pretty aware of that you know we're like ah, it's a it's a privilege like it's it's super fortunate to be able to call a different country home just because you choose to or be able to go spend six months in Mexico and hang out on the beach and, you know, work from there. Like we're, we are mostly aware that's a, that's, a, you know, a relatively new thing, but also, you know, a privileged thing and something that's not accessible to many people throughout the world. But I think someone coming from your vantage point has a very unique perspective because you, you know, having been a refugee, having to escape a place that's, that's going through a horrible crisis and, and seeing what mobility and flexibility and and now what would be you know access to work i mean think about all the people who are who are accessing work remotely and and are now calling a new place home just because they were forced to you you have a very unique perspective i imagine absolutely i mean it's 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 an entirely different way of looking at it because the difference between necessity and you know when when you really need something like that and you know when it's like i just want to travel um because being from coastal for example it's been it's one of the toughest things was to actually be able to travel possible passport in the beginning because uh, because it's you know as you said for some countries it's really really to be privileged um, and i do believe that by having the remote work concept all around the world more people will be able to travel because they'll have the, the the income needed to go to bali to go to you know spain or you name it madeira maybe you know beautiful things going on there too so there's so many places that you know you can go and i believe you know i want to just end the the war concept here but like i believe that travel ends all wars so that's why it's another another motivation for me is like when you go see all people and you actually are able to travel and meet all these wonderful brilliant people is, is just amazing for example like when i first moved to the u.s the first state i moved into was utah and what are the odds it's it's an entirely different you know setup different like it's it's you would never imagine us as utah you know and when i first moved in you know they, they started telling me about the the state and everything i had no clue i just love to go spontaneous i never really do much research and i just jump into the destinations and going to utah in the beginning i'm like it was so different for me it was this, a big cultural shock then i made so many amazing friends there and uh it's just like to me that's 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 what uh, travel is about you know you go there you explore you meet new people first it's a shock but then you just get so familiarized with it that it's like part of you as well 
Yeah, it is. I, and it's funny you mentioned Utah, actually. It's the state that I tell people when it, when somebody asks me, like, all right, I'm going to go to the U.S. And yeah, I'm going to go do like L.A. and Vegas and New York. And I got to see Texas because I want to wear a cowboy hat. But where else should I go? You know, and I'm like, uh, and, and Utah is that place for me. Like, I'm like, you, you, it's it's such an incredibly beautiful place from a from a natural beauty standpoint. And and yeah, I mean, you, it's off the radar largely and such a sweet spot to land. If you've, if you've never heard of it before, just Google pictures of Utah. You won't be uh, disappointed, I don't think. Absolutely. And make sure you do some van life out there. That's, that's, that's really something, you know, imagine like by Zion, you open your van and you have that view while you work. Oh my God. Oh yeah, man. I mean, uh, Angel's Landing, the hike uh, and Zion still remains the one of my most incredible like experiences in the natural world. You know, like climbing up to the top of this this viewpoint that the natives there called Angel's Landing because they imagined only angels could get to the top of it, and just I mean, it's terrifying. Like I don't even know if I could do it now. Honestly, I was younger and dumber then. I'm like I'm I'm kind of afraid of heights now. I think, and uh, so I'm not sure I could do it now. But it, it is just one of those places that sort of sort of captivates you. It's it's cool to hear that coming from someone from from somewhere else actually I, I don't know that i'd ever heard that before. yeah no absolutely like the u.s like you know it's got like one of the best natures you know ever you know i i, I love national parks and uh, yellowstone would be another one that i highly recommend to all digital nomads it's you know breathtaking yeah it is that's what that's what the u.s has i mean when people say i want to go see the cities and stuff i'm like go to the nature like uh, the the national park system in the u.s is is insane and that that's uh like sort of a it's not really a hidden gym i don't think that's correct to say but it flies a little bit under the radar because people are, you know, normally attracted to the major metropolis hubs and and some of the other sites. But I th- I think the the natural beauty is where it's at. Absolutely, and that's that's why I love like that the aspect that in the U.S. like the van life is so you know popular because just going with with a van I've I've done it several times. It like I haven't done it in the East Coast yet, but like West Coast, I mean uh, it's it's definitely uh, one of the best things. Like one of the best pictures I've taken. It's from from those from those uh, trips actually. <laughs> that's epic. I love it, man. We could talk about van life will have to be another episode because uh, we have a ton to get to today. And that's like something you and I share in common as well as I'm I'm loving my van life in uh, over here and on this side of the pond. But I would love to dive into that. If you don't mind, I wanted to ask you one more question. Just I, I probably could spin off into a million different questions, but it seems pertinent. And and you don't we can edit this out if, if you prefer to. That's totally fine. But given the current situation in in what's happening in Ukraine and with Russia right now, like, can you kind of explain what it, what your experience was as a refugee in a, in a abbreviated form? The reason I asked that is I have a, someone close to me who was a refugee from Bosnia during the war there. And he described to me, you know, just kind of quickly, like the, uh, well, we've talked about it in depth, but the quick version of his journey involved like fake passports and like really some pretty scary situations like sleeping in a sleeping in some dangerous places and like they were a normal family they owned like a grocery store you know they had like a regular life and to have them have everything kind of turned upside down was sort of shocking for me and i think i think maybe the the average everyday person doesn't really have a good idea of like what it means to be to go through that experience and i don't want to turn this into an episode about that we have a bunch of other stuff to get to but it seems wrong to skip right past that with 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 what's going on right now absolutely i mean i was i was very little when the when the war happened and uh, um the, the 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 only thing that i really relate children who you know are around the age i was in 1999 is uh, the aspect of you know everybody who's 
all of your listeners right now, I'm sure if, if somebody asks, what is your first memory from your childhood? Everybody's going to be like, well, I remember, you know, I don't know, seeing uh, my mom and dad in the pool or, you know, I remember walking down, you know, their porch or something like that. But for me, my first experiences, like my first memories from my childhood is the, the house, like we had a three floor house and it was all burnt down. And I remember actually going, you know, after the war. And obviously, I mean, these these are just a few, like, but that one is just the one that stuck in my brain. Um so strongly. And that's one of the first memories that I have from my childhood. Then I remember being, you know, just going out of Kosovo. I remember just briefly, you know, it's like a it's like a dream basically of, you know, soldiers going into into buses and, you know, checking and taking people. And I mean, I remember the taking people part of it, but I just remember soldiers going uh, into into buses. And, you know, um, it's that's why I say like, I feel so bad about the, the children that are there in going through this in uh, Ukraine right now because for them this is going to define their life and it is it is extremely unfortunate so that's that's what what we went through and then basically my family went actually because after war and everything we went my family went back but then afterwards you know just even post-war that's the thing it, it takes to me it takes 100 years for for a country to actually recover from from a war there's still you know issues going on like economic and and political and cultural and and whatnot so because of that you know it's really i'm sorry because it's like really emotional aspect of this so um basically just that would be i think something that people could um, at least imagine you know how when you start your life and the first memories are war related and then you're like you know hear about your cousin who was who was killed you know and murdered basically a civilian basically you know like and and you find uh, their remainings after few years these are all things that unfortunately they're normal there you know people they're like yeah i know another person and another person another person who has gone through these so that's how it is right now and uh, and and just looking at the news it kind of gives you flashbacks i guess sort of a ptsd on that on that aspect i think everybody who went through war has got some sort of ptsd in them uh, just because of the of the whole psychological impact yeah, I mean, th- those things don't melt away easily. Like people have PTSD from from much, from things that are much uh, less severe and uh, that that don't leave your psyche for decades or or forever. So totally understandable. I hate for you that you have to continue to relive that in 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 some ways. But I think it's it's great that you shed a little bit of light on it just to give people maybe a little bit of an understanding of what of what's happening there. Not that we need more of that. We'll we'll transition back to uh, to what we came here. To, to really talk about, which is, uh, I know for you, a lot more fun and exciting to look forward to. And, and there's a lot going on on this front of, in the digital nomad world. And you're very deeply involved in the research, the preparation, the, the background, and, and the logistics of these digital nomad visas in multiple countries, which is such a cool thing because a lot of people that come on the show or that I talk to and the people that I read about, you know, they're they're kind of like regurgitating the information that they've seen on the internet. Like, okay, yeah, this is what this digital nomad visa does, or that's what this one does. But you've actually been like behind the scenes working with the governments in multiple countries, building these and figuring out what's important to them and what's not and how to make them attractive and consulting with them on this. So I, I think it's really going to be kind of cool to, to dive into this. So we discussed this beforehand, and we're going to sort of quickly go over three digital nomad visas that you've been involved in, Greece, Dubai, and Albania. And we can take them in any order that you want, but let's just start with one and just kind of go into a little bit of the basics and, and, and your experience working with them, and, and, and we'll see where it goes. Totally. 
So um, this is this is like one of the most you know um, exciting adventures that I've taken in my career, I guess. You know, in the beginning of the of the you know pandemic and everything, like you know, uh, that's where we started. I mean, I've worked on and off with with uh, other governments as well on the digital nomad visas, but these are, have been the most significant ones that I've, I've had an uh, input. So just starting, I, I guess, like I, I could just start with Dubai here, and uh, because that's been the the first one chronologically that started the visa. And uh, so with with Dubai to begin with, you know, when we when we prepared the guidelines. The strategy was, and the biggest question mark was, Dubai is an expensive place to live. And the first thing that we discussed, you know, about Dubai is that there is options that make Dubai a relatively, you know, moderate, you know, in the expenses wise place to go live. And uh, that had to go through uh, influencer marketing. This is another, you know, a little behind the scenes information. So I'm, I don't know if you've seen like Nas Daily had a, a few, a few videos about Dubai and, and especially like how there are options that are like the lifestyle there that you can, you can have, you know, a meal that does not, you know, uh, really put you in, in a, in a very tough situation financially. So these have been the first ones because like how how digital nomad visas are built is the concept is first you need to analyze the people who are actually going to move there and to get a better understanding is the decision making you know it's it's one of those marketing concepts of like behavioral psychology where you're like analyzing and getting a better understanding of your clients in this case customers in in in, in these governments instances so basically in dubai the the key aspect so right now dubai asks $5,000, you have to make $5,000 a month in order to be able to qualify. Now, this is not a number that they've just thrown out there, but it's a thorough research of how much a person needs to make in order to be able to comfortably live in, in Dubai. It is debatable, the, the amount, but that's the, the, the final one there. So the $5,000, they ask you to have $5,000 a month. Now, you obviously need to prove that and show your, you know, not just bank, but also if, if you're a freelancer, you know, your projects or your work or your, your employer information. And then you obviously need to need to have insurance and then the insurance has needs to be paid up front. So you need to take care of that right away, you know, when you do the application. And there is 200 and I think it's like around 260 $270 now that I have many numbers here. Yeah, too many numbers, too many application fees, taxes. There's, there's a lot rolling around in the head. So, so basically, uh, that's that's the that's the main concept of, of Dubai. And then the good thing is, depending on where you come from, except excluding US and Eritrea, which are the two countries that, regardless of where you are, I think you can relate on this one. You have to pay your taxes. You have to pay Uncle Sam. So, so basically, except these two, you know, you might your country might have an agreement with Arab Emirates, so um, you might end up really paying you know, almost no taxes. So that's another advantage of Dubai. And but that was that was something we did not have to work on. It, it was already there because, you know, they don't really um, do taxes there. So yeah, I actually have a for anybody that's like really interested, if you heard no taxes, and you're like, what? That sounds awesome. There's an episode from a couple months back with with somebody who just recently moved. Her name's Ara Lee. She just moved from France to Dubai, and she's living tax free in Dubai. And, and she actually talks about that a lot, like with the with the cost of living and stuff like how how it really like we have this in our mind that Dubai is just this like insanely expensive place and it can be, but she kind of goes into how it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be. And, uh, and so anyway, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of insane that this is, is, this is possible. And, uh, it's cool to know, like you, you mentioned something a second ago, you said like, like market research, almost like customers. Right. And I think that's one of the most fascinating parts about these digital nomad visas is because 
like this is I'm going to try I'm not I'm going to try not to go like too deep and and nerdy on all this stuff real quick but I I might sorry the uh the borders were set up for a reason right like borders are there and we have customs and we have immigration services and stuff to like it basically kind of like keep people in and keep people out and that's been the way of the world for a long time but now like suddenly with digital nomad visas and remote work and like all this stuff countries are like now competing to bring you there <laughs> they're like no 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 oh wait come in come in uh, we we want you to come we we and actually look how good our our visa process is and they're trying to streamline them they're trying to make them tax efficient for for people so I just find it kind of like fascinating. Like they they are customers. They're they're people that are going to come and they're going to spend money in your store. Your store just happens to be a, a country now. And I think it's really interesting to watch this evolve. There's something like 50 or maybe 60 digital nomad visas now. You might know. But I mean, there weren't any a couple years ago, like, or maybe, maybe a couple. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. This is, this is really kind of a, a crazy phenomenon. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, for example, now while slowly shifting into into greece one of the things we've discussed with back then minister harry tourism that you know one of the biggest challenges of all these countries is the seasonality you know like you are a summer destination and in winter everything just you know i don't want to say shut down but basically you know compared to the amount of people you get in the summer uh, it's it's comparable so what digital nomads do is they they, they pretty much help finding this seasonality because they're going to be there for 12 months when everybody disappears in in winter you still have those people there you know as you said they go to the to the to the uh, grocery store you know they go to your local shop you know they go to your local cafe and and all that so it makes a huge impact into their economy and that's why you know all these destinations um i mean or at least uh, 50 of them um have realized that this is a great economic opportunity and this is a great not just economic because what we're bringing up with the with the governments is this is not just about bringing these people for the money aspect of it what we're trying to do is engage them for example with local universities you know chase imagine like you know a university a local university like there's a lot of things that you know younger generations and not that we're old i don't i'm by no means i'm not saying that but people in, in in college or in high school could benefit a lot by just listening to your to your story by just you know if if additional med is a programmer you know just hearing their their perspective and how they came to this you know to this opportunity of of living anywhere is a huge impact to their to their younger generations as well not just that there's like entrepreneurs that can be you know you can do events and you could do networking which helps the, the the country with investments and everything so there's so many dimensions to, to digital nomads that i mean for every minister that i talk to we've actually had a conversation with a minister in gibraltar here i'm sharing here some confidential information okay it's just me and you man don't don't worry nobody's listening so basically you know i'm like these people are gold you know just like gold pretty much because yep. they are like digital nomads are really gold for 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 these that's you know for all the aspects i mentioned and there's a ton more that i could probably just hijack your whole program here talking about sounds good to me i'll just i'm gonna leave turn the mic off you just start talking and i'll be back in like a couple hours that i also i just have to say how cool is it like i i want to say one day like yeah i was having a conversation with minister harry or whatever like that's your <laughs> your work is not the everyday man's work that's that's for sure and you're you're like a what would you how, how do you identify yourself in terms of like profession like are you a researcher or are you what's like is there a title you would assign to yourself i mean i 
preferably I just go digital nomad, but like I'm, I'm basically, a, you know, an entrepreneur in a sense, but I mean, entrepreneur sometimes it sounds fancy, I guess. And I, I just, I like to keep myself, I'm just a digital nomad, you know, doing the thing I love to do, you know, just this is, is what I love to do, you know, have conversations with this other digital nomads who, you know, have the same mindset. Um, and, and that's, that's what I go for. You know, I honestly am not, you know, obviously I want to make money. That's everybody does. Yeah. But like, the thing is, there's, to me, money is the tool for you to achieve, you know, things you like to do. And and what I like to do is working with digital nomads on remote work and, and, and these things. That's why I've really expanded a lot. Sometimes like I, it, you know, I sleep like four or five hours a day just to be able to catch up on everything. But when it's a passion, you don't see it as work, you know, like, yeah. just, uh, I mean, look at you, you just said like you're going to, you're going to take trips and everything. And you're still planning on, you know, like I want to have this interview and that interview because you love what you do, you know? Yeah, it's just fun. I mean, you can't, there's like, it, uh, it's an old, like, cliche, but if you just love what you're doing, then you don't feel like you're working. So, and that's a, that's a great thing to, to be able to say. I mean, it feels amazing. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. Hey guys, if you're still around and enjoying this episode, then I think you might actually like our once a month newsletter as well. If you'd like to sign up, just open up the show notes of the episode you're currently listening to, scroll down and look for aboutabroad.com slash newsletter. It takes about 30 seconds to sign up. It's a fantastic way to support the show. And I think you'll be pleased with the information that we provide every month as well. Thanks a lot for listening. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. I just think I find it what I find really interesting about your your story though is that like you are you you do have this kind of researcher's mentality. I mean like doing do there's like when you talk about digital nomad visas it, it can just you just look at it on the surface level it's like cool this gives me the access to live in Bermuda for the next 6 months and like it just you don't really nobody thinks about the mechanics of how these things are built the market research going into it and thinking about uh digital nomads as as gold and and the type of investment that can bring in and like Dubai settling on $5000 and that number just didn't come out of nowhere this stuff comes from somewhere and there are real humans behind the scenes at least for now until the robots take over that like we that have to create this stuff right and so i don't know it's a, it's a very it's again like another really unique perspective and i i sidetracked us there with that i'm sorry we started to get into into greece which i think is going to be my personal opinion i think this is going to be like one of the top destinations to go for digital nomads um I, and and not just digital nomads i think like i don't consider myself very nomadic anymore i'm pretty like stationary i travel a handful of months a year but i'm 
kind of got like a home base. And, and like, I think people that fall into that category are going to be very intrigued by the program that Greece has put together. Uh, it's obviously a very sexy destination. It's a place people know. Kind of reminds me of like what Portugal is right now. Like Portugal is currently that like top spot. And Greece has sort of come in, talk about like competing for customers, right? Like they've come in with this like pretty awesome offer. They're still trying to figure it all out. I'm going to get you to talk talk us into some details here in a second. But like, they, you know, they came in with like, I think there's like a 20% flat tax and, and things like this that just make it very attractive to an already very attractive destination. So what can you tell us about, about the Greece Digital Nomad situation? So one, one of the first things I want to talk about is I've blamed politicians a lot about many things before actually working with government. But seeing all the you know bureaucracy behind it and everything, and like you end up appreciating all the hard work that some people put, but you know, there's there's a process to it. And that's what Greece has fallen into. And that's why like I really, you know, love what, what Jan did in, in Croatia because, you know, a lot of people just see like, oh, in six weeks they were able to push that forward. But that's actually a huge miracle. You know, like that's that's something so hard to do that it's just yeah, you know. What what happened in Croatia? I don't I don't know. Like I mean I know they have the Croatia digital nomad visa. It's actually like one of my most popular episodes ever is talking there's an episode on this big back into a couple seasons. People are obsessed with this with this, but I don't know the backstory behind like this miracle that happened. So basically, you know, within six weeks, uh, they were able to uh, pass the law and have everything set for the digital nomad, you know, in six weeks, you know. You know, the parliament passed, you know, the alien law and, and everything was set. And then obviously it was just passed into the, the Minister of, of Interior Affairs to prepare the, the, the residency permit, you know, and, and everything, you know, all the administrative work. But the core is that law, you know. So Greece also passed the law and, and everything, you know, and they have pretty much the, the thing with Greece right now is the visa is within the within the I think it's called it's D visa. And then basically that that includes a residency permit. It's not like a separate per se, like a visa nomad visa. However, it, it kind of is like a subcategory of, of, an, of an actual visa that you that you get roughly that the amount of money they, they require you to have is 3,500. And uh, there is still work being done on, on that direction to kind of formalize it a little bit more. And, and hopefully to my, throughout my guidelines, it was clearly stated that it should be a separate digital my visa because there's so, for example, uh, I just want to just reference to Albania that we're working on. They have a loophole for you as a digital nomad to go. There. However, in marketing aspect, you know, what example can I give? You know, like take a grocery store that actually sells clothes too, you know, you don't go there for the clothes because they have not told you that they have. So because of that, I mean, I, I always push for the concept of you need to tell people that you have the digital nomad visa because when you tell them that, they know that that's actually there. It's not vague, you know, ambiguous thing. It's clear. So that's that's the thing that Greece is working on. And uh, hopefully they can sort that out because once you have it separate, it, it, it helps much more. So for now, people can actually apply and and. Go there if you're making three thousand five hundred euros, and you can prove that three thousand five hundred euros per month. Yes, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm just like I, I assume you, you know we're, we're working on these and and having conversations on a daily basis. You come to a level where you're like you just assume like how don't you know you should know this. So that's why forgive my <laughs> yeah. If it comes if it comes like a second language that you just speak and and so I and I I you know I imagine that it just you know it, and it all starts to blur together too when you start looking at a bunch of different visas. But no, please please continue. So basically, and then and then it's as of now, um, you can you get half 
half of your like you pay half a tax. That's what the concept was in in, in Greece. And the, tell the current government like it's the same government that it that was there, but the minister of tourism changed um, a few months ago. And basically, they're they're doing some like marketing. Greece is doing some amazing uh, campaign and marketing wise to, to promote Greece as as a you know spot to to go. But like to me, as you said, Greece really does not need much marketing as a destination. It's more about the community. You know, it's more about Madeira style. It's more about you know that concept that Greece needs to build. And uh, because like compared to Dubai, you can easily get into Greece with it with it with your income. It's it's you know way lower bracket and. Plus, you know, uh, your expenses in Greece are not going to be as high, especially if you go, which I highly recommend not to go to like, you know, Santorini or, you know, all the... Don't go to the honeymoon destinations. I did my honeymoon. I did I did all those for my honeymoon. So I'm, uh, I'm going to just go ahead and put myself out there. I totally did the tourist thing and, and hit Santorini and Mykonos and, and all that. But yeah, you're you're 100% right. Like, get, get, go to the other destinations where you can actually afford to live and, and live well. And most importantly, engage with, with the local community. That's yeah. to me, that's to me, it's, it's the best thing is that, you know, and when you go to touristy places, people are not as, as friendly and as welcoming. I mean, obvious, for obvious reasons, I'm not blaming them. But like, when you go to like a smaller community, go to a little town, there's not much used to tourists. That's a very unique experience, you know. Like there, you get to know the actual Greece. There, you get to know the actual uh, population, the actual people, and the culture and everything. And to me, that's just the the best thing of being a digital nomad. Yeah. Is there anywhere in Greece you've been to that you would recommend? Like that kind of fits that criteria that uh, so, pops in your mind? There are there are a few like Kalamata, for example, is, is trying to build something there. But like, I mean, there's the thing is that's that's the thing that Greece needs to work on is to focus on one specific location. There are a few of them that are like you know decent size of you know expat community and everything. You know, for example, there's there's some some work getting being done in in, in Crete. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but that's also another destination that's kind of you know everybody knows about it. Um, yeah. but Kalamata, I think, is 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 pretty good. And then obviously the north of Greece. So there, you know, by Thessaloniki and everything, like there are, they have little little towns there that I highly recommend because it's always nice to be a little closer to to a bigger city. But like just you know, you know, in one hour dis- distance. But it would not honestly. I don't. I don't want to because if I say one of the names, then I'm gonna not do justice to the other ones because like there's yeah. probably like five to ten of them which are considering right now and they're trying to build in a in local government level they're trying to build strategies into you know promote digital nomads and we're actually hoping to uh, help them also on on promote their their local destinations but as of now i'd say there's a lot to be you know to, to work on in greece i think so that you bring that community because we love communities digital nomads you know it, I mean that that's that's you mentioned it earlier you referenced it Madeira but like Madeira's the coast of you know uh, island off the coast of Portugal really off the coast of Africa I guess but a Portuguese island that sure people knew about Madeira a couple years ago but now it's like this international destination where nomads are flocking to from all over and it's got and I mean the the revenue that that's generating in the tens and tens of millions for the for the local government is is crazy. And so replicating that, like what they did was they created community there. I mean they created a place where people want to go and hang out with other like minded people in a beautiful location. And the maybe Greece's challenge is that they have too many locations that could fit that criteria. Like you know hundreds of islands, beautiful coastline, tons of history. Like where do you choose <laughs> to to put that and and so that that might be their challenge, you know, like a a bit of a, a double edged sword there. But I I do think I think it's like it's it's going to become a very attractive destination 
in this next phase, you know, as more people get access to the digital nomad life, you know, remote work on the rise, people taking their their families nomadic a little bit more, or even just, you know, just the opportunity that maybe you're not going to go live on the road, but you're going to go spend three to six months working from somewhere. You know, that sounds like a very good destination. And and I, and I think, yeah, you're right. If they can just build a little bit of community in, in some place, then that could be the tipping point. I've, I've heard good things. I haven't been there. You mentioned Crete, and I don't know how to pronounce the name. Shania or Shania? Uh, it's on the north side of the island. I think it's spelled C-H-A-N-A-I. Oh. Kanya, exactly. Kanya, exactly. Yeah, I've heard good things about this this place. It kind of like reminds me of a Eracera in in Portugal or or something like that. I don't know if you've been there or not, but it seems like a sweet spot. Yeah, no, I I have I have not been personally, but I find like there's this cool workspaces there and and, and some and and co co living spaces there. They're doing some amazing work there. Uh, it, exactly, like it's it's a beautiful place. And then I I just I'm not very knowledgeable about Greek mythology, but it's one of those places that is full of you know mythology, you know monuments and stories. And if somebody is you know into mythology, I highly recommend you know like it, you you just live in paradise if you go to Hania. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't you can't beat it. I mean, with the history and the food and uh, yeah, you said it like mythology. The people now you've got a thriving digital nomad community coming through. It, it's going to be awesome. Are there any other bullet points we should touch on for somebody? You know, pe- people can go find all the information that they want, but I mean, any other major bullet points that they should should be aware of? Like most digital nomad visas, you know, they you need to have an income coming in from somewhere else. It needs to be thirty five hundred euros a month, more or less. It sounds like you get a year. To stay, I believe. Any anything else that people should know off the you know major bullet points? Well, pretty much. I I just I've I've seen this a lot where people when they when they start this application process, um, they feel a bit frustrated sometimes because of the of the you know of the process and and of things that are required and everything. So I would say this is this is more of a general thing. I believe you know I every time I have something to do with government, it's like. Try to try to have a list of things that that you need. Basically, let's say you're you are a um, a freelancer, so make sure you have all the documents related to your company, uh, because basically you're supposed to be registered. You know, even if you're 1099 or whatever, you need to have an address outside of that country of Greece. Which in this case, let's say you're from the U.S., make sure to have more documents that they ask. You know, not just in Greece, but in in every destination. I highly recommend everyone to have provide more than they than they require and then you just show them that because it is very important because like i've seen so many people just get frustrated about it and then i i hear people like i mean i i they've asked this you know and that and it, it gets frustrated i understand but like just there is certain regulations that they go through so if you are especially a freelancer life is much easier unfortunately because i really have been working on especially on the labor laws so that we can have a world where corporate workers you know can actually go and become digital nomads as well so uh, that's you know stay tuned guys whoever's listening and working on you know big larger corporation they're like they're not letting us go out of the country there is some work being done in that direction and hopefully we can have uh, more specifics soon Oh uh, man, that'll be that's going to be an amazing thing because you're right. That is something that holds that holds a lot of people back. The difference between being like uh, in the U.S. it's 1099 or W two, and in other countries it's in Spain it's autonomo. It's like the 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 equivalent of that. So yeah, this this changes thing is basically the way you're paid can can limit you. So that we've we've uh, we've covered two of the three. The third one that we wanted to get to was Albania, which is a very much so an up and coming uh, place. I think I, I have not visited Albania, so I know very little. But it's uh, it's on the rise. So yeah, I mean they are in the very beginning of the entire process, um, and uh, we've had a meeting with the, with the prime minister. They've had they've had a whole 
process of you know inviting new ideas and and innovation and uh, we've we've pitched the concept of you know digital nomads and remote you know remote workers to be able to go there because first of all it's very strategically located you know if you're in south albania you can take a boat and in two hours you are in italy so it's right there you know like it's just wonderful place and then you have the the you know the adriatic sea and then you have the onion in the south it's just just seeing that division of it's just beautiful there's so many amazing stuff there you can actually right now if you're additional med and you're like can i go right now yes you can even though they don't have additional med visa again as i said they have a loophole there you can apply for a residency permit and they issue it as long as you have you can provide income specific income and they don't have any specifics as to what they require however you you know, if you're making at least, you know, $1,500, you should be good because, you know, the average income there is pretty low. So if you're if you're making more than 1500 uh, US dollars, uh, you know, they, you will get 99.9% you will get approved. They, they don't really have any any strict uh, requirements there. Uh, it's because it's, it's a country in development. Um, but I would highly recommend people to, you know, if, if you're already additional nomad, if you already have the experience, I'd say go check it out. I would highly recommend to, you know, people to go first like three months because as a, as a long-term place, uh, I really do believe that it they, they need to do a lot of work and that's what we're working on. They need to bring, again, community because for me personally, I go as additional nomad. I'm like, would you stay at a destination if you don't really have people to engage with and like if you don't have someone to talk like we're talking right now, to me, it's just like after two months, it kind of starts getting boring. But as to see places, it's just beautiful out there and uh, and not much required to to get the visa. So if you really like, you know, I want to try something totally different that I have not been to. It's totally different culture, although it's in Europe. It's pretty different from, from like the other countries around there. So uh, I highly recommend, you know, like majority of Italians are right there during the summer because it's cheaper and, the you know, the water and everything is, is you know, the, the beach is the same. So Italian coast line for Albanian prices. Pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love the way you put it. Exactly. It's uh and it's outside the Shenzhen, right? Like you you can yes. can kind of a visa hopping place. So if you're in the Shenzhen and you wanna you spent three months in there and you want to hop into another place and and uh get out, you know, and, and reset your visa for three months, that can be a, a really nice option geographically easily to access, affordable. The digital nomad visa is available for longer term stays. I, I actually met a couple that was RVing a around Europe for over two years. And they actually, we met them on a ferry from, they were, we were both doing a visa hop before I had had like permanent residency in Europe. I had, uh, was doing like visa hops, like three months in the Shenzhen, three months out. And we were doing a ferry from France to Ireland because I, a lot of people, I don't think know that Ireland can be a, a step outside the Shenzhen, although it's in the EU, it's out the, outside the Shenzhen. So you can go spend three months in Ireland and then come back to uh into the Shenzhen and you have you know reset your visa so anyway we were both doing that and they had been traveling around in an rv around europe for over two years um and their favorite country was albania all that wow. they had seen they loved albania they were raving about it it's really good it's it's really because the, the beauty of albania is the fact that it's still not developed like especially the southern part it's so natural like you don't have like all these buildings and, and everything, especially like there's these tiny 
beaches that it's it's almost like to me it just gives like a feeling of, of Thailand or you know like it, it's it's very it's like you don't see anything around you like it's literally it's a tough drive I'll tell you that but like once you get there it's just gorgeous you know like and I love that that aspect of like they have not built that and I hope I don't want to jinx it I hope they don't build anything there that natural feeling of it is just amazing oh man yeah it's it's uh that continues to rise on my list there's too many places in the world I I want to see and I keep like every time I hear about one I'm like okay that's moving up the list that Albania's Albania is moving back up the list for me. And it's really popular with the with the people who are, who are doing, you know, the I want to call it yacht life, you know, because that's 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 another thing, you know, like that I really want to do. It's in my bucket list. You know, I want to do like a few months of, you know, you're in a yacht or in a, you know, not I don't want I, I would not go for a cruise. I don't know why I just I'd rather have like things of my own. You just, you know, especially that part like you go to Albania and then you go to Italy. And then just right there, you have the Italian, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Greek island of uh, what did I forget the name right now? Corfu? Corfu, exactly. There you yeah. go. So you have Corfu there. And like, that's the beauty of Europe, actually. Like within, you know, very short distance, you're in three different countries with food and, and, and everything. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's I'm, I'm obsessed with that aspect of Europe and I can never, it never gets old for me. Like, I think especially coming from the US and just, you know, we have our own form of diversity, but it's such a massive piece of land where, you know, we're all pretty much speaking the same language and there's some distinct yeah. food and stuff. But like to go from, you know, Italy to Austria, for instance, like you just changed worlds completely and you could drive 20 minutes. Um, and it's just that, that always, I, I met someone the other day, I was like, I was out with a friend and we were sitting next to another couple and like, didn't really understand what language they were speaking. And we asked them and they were, she was like, yeah, I'm from a little area in the north of Italy, but we speak this mix of like German and Italian. Um, and I was like, so what do you call your first language? Tirol? Tyrol. Yeah. Yeah. Southern Tyrol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like this mix of the two and it was like a German Italian mix. And I was like, so which one's the first language? She's like, I don't know. It really is just a mix of the two. And was, that's, that's mind blowing. Like I, 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 yeah. I have so many questions. <laughs> and I speak Italian. So that's why like I, I've, I've, I've actually met one girl from, from Tyrol in, in New York. And it, we, like we talked about this, these nuances of the accent there. It's, it's, I just, you know, you see, that's the beauty of traveling. You know, you, you meet all these people and see all these, get to understand all these cultures it's just amazing because like their nuances like when you speak like multiple languages like you realize how the approach of people like for example in if i'm not mistaken i think like in spanish like bridge is 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 a feminine word but then in german is masculine so like when a person describes a bridge in spanish they talk, they describe it as beautiful and and gorgeous and all that but uh, in german it would be like a strong stable and be, just because it's masculine it's, even this detail of nuances just makes it worth to go as digital nomad and go explore all these all these languages and all it these does, i mean that's what that's what it turns like the mundane conversation about like i don't need to talk about a bridge too much but then all of a sudden you throw that in there and i'm like what oh i never thought about that like now we can talk about bridges all day because how do they say it in uh in in french and and so yeah i mean i'm uh i'm also very very fascinated by this okay yeah so we've nerded out on europe quite a bit here and i feel like we could continue to go down this path for for a lot longer but it's a rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a big rabbit hole and there's like a ton to talk about but i'm glad we hit on some of the different digital nomad visas and some of our shared love for uh for what Europe has to offer. What I would love to quickly transition to is is a little bit of what you're doing in the US, which is equally as fascinating, I think, and is related to the Digital Nomad Expo and all that you're doing with the Digital Nomad Association. Give us a little background on on what you're doing there and and we'll uh, we'll see where it takes us. Absolutely. 
So first of all, the digital nomad association, like you know it when it this digital nomad concept, since it is a passion, like whoever I've met is 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 so deep into this concept that it's it's like really deeply I think enshrined into into our personality of, of being remote. And uh, because of that, I, I you know seeing all these friends of mine like how do you do it? You know how do I start remote and everything. And the entire community, especially in the United States, you know, wanted to start the Digital Nomad Association for two reasons. Reason number one, like in Europe, seems like a lot of like the majority of, of digital nomads are very well connected. But in the U.S., there is a little, it's a little more spread out, a little more individualistic, I want to say. And then another factor to it is like the loneliness for digital nomads. It's, 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 it's a big thing. So the Digital Nomad Association started with the concept of number one, to uh, bring together the digital nomads, especially ones within the U.S. or from the U.S. or have anything related to the United States. And the second reason is to have the digital nomads help and support the other ones who are actually hoping and, and working towards becoming uh, remote workers. And just by getting it started, I've had so many digital nomads tell me like and, and reach out and say, whatever I can do, I'd love to help. That makes me feel so happy about the community we're, we're a part of because everybody is willing to share whatever they know so that they can be the reason that another person you know, becomes location free and can actually enjoy life. Um, so that is what we're trying to do with Digital Association. We're in the right in the beginning uh, of it, you know, and because we started the expo as if we're not, you know, doing you know a lot of work, but it's it, we just love what we do. And then, uh, so we've slowed down the, the association concept. We're trying to you know just frame it in the right way so that we can be as much beneficial and useful to people as we can. And then we're doing the Digital Med Expo. That is going to be the first event that's going to bring the destinations into one virtual event. This year is going to be virtual. Next year, another confidential information. Next year, we already have demands from destinations and to to make it hybrid. And it's 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 crazy. So much demand. I I, I just I feel thrilled. I feel honored. On so we're doing the Digital Nomad Expo. We're bringing the destinations into one place for all of you who are listening. You you'll get a chance to get even more detailed information from the destinations talk to them directly ask questions to the representatives out there and get all the up-to-date information in the expo and we're also getting uh startups in there because i just i come from a background that we've worked a lot with startups so we're going to bring some amazing apps amazing ideas that are out there who are going to be there for people who are willing to become digital nomads or there are additional nomads that they could benefit from just some amazing work digital nomads are doing i just i i love it oh man that's so cool so you're building out this infrastructure for the the association is one thing the expo is a separate thing but the association is, is simply a or essentially not simply essentially a a way to unite digital nomads from the US and, and help support them help give resources things like that and then the expo is a separate of actual event that will take place at a given time and date which we should mention and and we'll bring those people together virtually this year but you know in a physical sense in the years to come absolutely correct? so so september 6 7 is going to be the date for the expo and you you put it way better than i am so i've i've been in the backstage for for the longest time i'm just recently coming out of my you know out of the box i guess or and and basically you you put it even better than than I did, you know. We should, we should, you, sh you should help us out on this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, I, hopefully, I am in my in my own little way here with with this because it's awesome. I love what you're doing. I mean, you're you're right. There is a bit more cohesion internationally. It's funny because like Americans are we're everywhere. I mean, we're a big country. We have 330 million people. A lot of you know people 
there, there's great fortune that a lot of people have the ability from the US to work remotely already and have been traveling and digital nomading and stuff for a long time. But but there is sort of a there does seem to be like a tighter cohesion sort of when you're outside the US, you know, when you're when you're traveling around, when you're in Southeast Asia, you find that that community in in Bali or in Thailand or wherever. And when in Europe, it also feels that way. So I, I see exactly what you're trying to do by sort of uniting those people that are actually there in the U.S. and making the U.S. sort of a digital nomad place to be because it has so much to offer. But I don't think it's thought of that way exactly necessarily. I mean, it, some people are digital nomads. They don't even know it. You know, they travel around a lot. I was kind of that. Like, honestly, I was traveling around the U.S. a lot and taking my laptop with me for years. And I didn't think about the term digital nomad at all. I just thought I was just traveling around and working from a laptop in a coffee shop every now and then. And then uh, when I started going abroad, I started learning more about that, you know, but anyway, I just, it is a, it is a destination that's almost weird to say, like kind of under the radar in that scene. Absolutely. I mean, that's, 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 that's kind of the goal, you know, like with, with the Americans, especially because I, you know, there is so much that they can share and there's so much that people can benefit from, from their, from the stories. Like we're trying to build, you know, one story per each country because I, I'm pretty sure we can find an American in each destination. And that's why it's like trying to do a little blog in the, in the association where we can tell all these stories, you know, from Greece, from Croatia, from Switzerland, from Spain, you know, but just basically having all these, I think it's, it's really empowering for the, for the people who are trying to go remote. And I believe that it's for the good of the entire work, you know, uh, pretty much the, the work industry just in general, because once you have a lot of people in, in remote and the, the, the competition and the, the, the employers are going to need to do more in order to get, you know, people to hire them, you know, this goes along with the, the great resignation and everything. So, you know, it's, that's my ultimate goal out there, you know, and, and I'm trying to my best to, to be able to not just me, like we have an amazing team um, that is volunteering. We're all volunteering on the on the association so that we could we could have an impact. Well, good for you for uh, stepping out. You've been kind of like behind the scenes building the building a lot of the framework for a long time. And it's great to see you stepping out into the public a little bit more sharing your story, how that ties together with your work and what you're doing on multiple continents. It's It's been a lot of fun to watch the mechanics of it come together. And now to hear a little bit more and, and take a peek behind the curtain has been really fun for me. And uh, I imagine for the audience as well. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for all the work that you're doing. I love it. I'm forward to following along. And it would be awesome if you could just share a couple links that or wherever you know you want people to go that need to follow along to learn more about the expo, the association, any work that you're doing. Let us know here. We'll put those in the show notes as well. So one thing I want to I want to mention is with additional med expo, especially for the for the I mean for everyone this 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 is an important information, but especially for the people who are trying to you know take that step to, to become additional nomad but they're like you know you know financially how can i make it and everything we are taking two of our attendees to the destination that wins the most vote for free for seven days so the flights paid and the and the hotel so you know get join us and you'll you you know, you never know, you might be the person who actually gets the chance to take their first trip, or maybe it's their 100th trip, I don't know. But that's one thing I want to bring in because I really want to I wish somebody wins that that never traveled abroad or something, it would be a great chance to explore and everything. And as, as in regards to links, I they could always, you know, I'm pretty active on you know, LinkedIn mainly, that's where I'm going to share the majority of things. So dn-expo.com is the website for the for the expo, you'll have all the information there. And for the association, you know, pretty much it's DNA USA. However, 
we're you know just taking that a little slower because we're trying to go in a, in a, you know simultaneously with the expo so uh, probably we're going to go more active by the uh, end of summer and then when the when the expo starts because uh, it we just find it a little more strategically correct to do that i get it well i, I love it thank you again i appreciate you sharing the the time and the stories and uh, all the work that you're doing behind the scenes keep uh, keep bringing it to the surface and and to the public it's it's awesome a lot of fun to watch well thank you so much chase it's you know you you are you are one of the most important uh, industry leaders i want to say additional nomad leaders and it's it's been a, such a pleasure to follow all your work you know and what you're doing is just it's so so important that it's hard to put in words so really appreciate you and i'm sure all of your listeners also appreciate your your hard work and and uh information that you share with with everyone uh that, that's the the kindest thing you could say I, I i appreciate it it's uh as we said earlier like it doesn't even feel like work it's i'm lucky that it's uh it's become my work i'm uh i, I just thoroughly enjoy it i love that this is becoming so accessible to the world and people are getting the chance to, to see more of it enjoy and you know live a little bit freer so it's funny we we started this conversation talking a little bit about freedom and uh and and we end there as well but yeah thoroughly enjoyed this man thank you again and uh we'll we'll be in touch for sure thank you so much Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.